0: Christ is risen.
1: He is risen indeed.
0: Hallelujah. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. As we near the end of this Easter season and we approach the Ascension and then Pentecost, it's good to keep thinking about the Easter life. That is, the eternal life that Jesus promised to all of God's children and that they will have in Him. You see, even though this gospel lesson for today takes place during the Last Supper, we must hear Jesus' words as the apostles and the early church understood them. Not as frightened and confused disciples on the night of Jesus' betrayal, but rather through the filter of Good Friday and Easter. What Jesus promises to them that night in the upper room, he delivers to them through his death and resurrection. Throughout his gospel account, St. John the Evangelist distinguishes quite clearly between the temporal biological life, that is the Greek word bios, and eternal life, the Greek zoe. All of God's creatures share in the biological life so long as we breathe on this earth. Yet eventually, until Jesus returns once again, all creatures, great and small, only draw their breath and will finally draw their last breath, only to return to the elements of God's creation. Just read the obituaries in the newspaper or or an online service sometime. You will quickly come to realize that biological death can happen at any time to any person, regardless of their age. The young, in spite of their current health and their current vigor, should never ignore or downplay the reality of death just because it seems to be a remote possibility at the moment. Nor ought anyone of any age or of any health delude themselves into thinking that it's only the older or the very old that die. What was observed at one time about medieval life can still sometimes remain quite true even in our advanced societies. That is, biological life can be brutal, nasty, and short. If God so blesses us, however, biological life can also be very sweet and it can end far too soon for our liking. That is not the only life available to us those who become God's children through their baptism into God's Son, Jesus Christ, into His death and resurrection, they are also given eternal life. And it's important for us to constantly remember that while the physical rite of receiving the sacrament of holy baptism through water and God's Word takes place at a particular time, as a practical and as a spiritual reality, our baptism is not to be considered a one-time thing. It is an ongoing event, as in contrition and repentance and restoration we are dying and rising with Jesus daily. We drown our old Adams and old Eves, and we emerge and arise again to new life. You could perhaps liken the distinction between biological life and eternal life to the difference between breathing poisoned air and having an oxygen mask. Think of a person trapped in a small room that's rapidly filling with carbon monoxide. Or someone trapped underwater with only a small and quickly diminishing pocket of air. If all that we have is biological life, then we know for certain that the end is near. Like all persons trapped in deadly situations like that, we know at least intellectually that we are going to die but with the gift of eternal life in Jesus Christ, we not only have the assurance of our rescue from these mortal bodies and from this dying world, we also have the promise that our life with God and in God goes on forever. Because Jesus died and rose again, because He is risen and because He lives even now, those that die and rise daily with Him in the washing of their holy baptisms will also live Now, a typical misunderstanding among immature Christians and inquirers into the faith is that the Easter life, that is, eternal life, is something that only begins after we die. But that's quite wrong, and we need to constantly remind ourselves and to tell everyone else the blessed truth. In this gospel text, Jesus indicates to his disciples that the Easter life overlaps with the biological life. The eternal kingdom of God is present in the lives of God's people. The Holy Spirit is abiding in the church and in the world. The real challenge for God's people is to live as Easter people in a dying world, and to not become either blasé or discouraged. It's hard to live as Holy Spirit-filled people in a world that is animated by all manner of unholy spirits, but Easter people have another life. We don't have to try to wheeze our way through a world that is poisoned by the breath of death. There is a better way for us to live. Notice that Jesus insists in this text that there are marks of that Easter life. Those that love Jesus keep his commandments. They listen to his voice. They learn from him. They follow him. Now, Jesus is not suggesting here that the discipled life is simply remembering what to do do that is what Jesus did. Rather, the Christian life is not being some sort of a historical reenactment that we dress up in clothes from ages past and we pretend that we might have been there. Nor do we maintain our traditions of liturgical worship in order to remain trapped in some sort of a cultural bubble. Now, it certainly can become that if we forget what lies underneath it all. For example, much as I like hearing how much it is that people enjoy the the visual and the auditory aesthetics of worship here at St. Paul, I would much rather that they remember that it's the connection which the liturgy and the aesthetics form with Christ and with believers of all times and all places and the gifts that God conveys to us through these things that are truly, infinitely more important. Otherwise, like so much of the culture around us, and even too much of the Christian church, the activities begin to become focused merely on having an emotional experience, one that ends with breathless appreciation for the performers when the show is over, and not for the realities that have taken place within and beneath the actions. If worship is simply about the show, then it's, deadly stuff. It's not the aroma of a sacrifice of praise that is pleasing to the Lord, but rather the stench of our pride that fills fills God's nostrils. Likewise, if we disconnect our worship as Easter people from our daily biological lives in the world outside, then we are as broken as everyone else. If we hear beautiful music and eloquent words that please us, but we fail to receive God's word and sacrament to uplift us and to strengthen us with the assurance of our forgiveness and our possession of the Easter life, then it is a dead exercise. Jesus says that he will not leave his disciples orphaned. The disciples are not left alone with simply their memories of Jesus. Eternal life, the Easter life, is ongoing life with God. It is getting in on the eternal life and the eternal love that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit share. This is what Jesus is promising His disciples at that Last Supper. The Spirit of Truth, that is, the Holy Spirit, will be with them and will keep them connected to the divine life and love that they have just only barely begun to experience and live through their relationship with Jesus on account of Jesus' promise, the disciples need not fear that when they can no longer see Him with their eyes, that they have been separated from the love of God in Christ Jesus. No, Jesus promises that the Spirit of God will be with them and will be another advocate, another helper for them with the Father. That is, another defense attorney with the Father. One who will plead on their behalf that their sins and our sins might not be held against us. You see, it's a tough thing. But it brings us back to the Easter life that comes through baptism into Jesus' death and resurrection. When one is born again of water and of the Spirit, there is new birth into a different life. We now have a life that goes on forever with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Easter life is sheer unmerited gift to us, a gracious, lavishing shower of infinite love poured out by God upon us. The Father in His love has sent His Son to become human with us, to die for us on the cross, to die for our sins, to rescue us from this dying world, a world that would seduce us with all of the devil's empty promises. There is, of course, an eventual disconnect a radical disconnect even between the biological life and the eternal life. But that's because there is nothing in this world and nothing of this world that can give us that eternal life. Only God can give it to us by His grace through our baptism into Jesus' death and resurrection. The Easter life that God wants us to have looks very, very different from mere biological life. If our eyes are fixed merely on life in this world, then we are living on borrowed time. The poisonous gas is getting thicker. The pocket of air is running out. As I was saying before, it is possible to treat Christian worship as being a mere historical reenactment, but in doing so, it would be like a leper or a blind person pushing Jesus away and rejecting the healing that Jesus is offering. Who could be satisfied to remain in a life like that when God is offering so much more? Who wouldn't want to get better? Those that simply dabble in worship or those who confess to being spiritual but not religious think that they have all that they really want and all that they really need. The problem is that dying people, and that includes all of us, do not have what they truly need. And the fact is that many do not even know any better. All that many in this life have is purely the biological life and not eternal life. Jesus says that you can tell the difference by whether or not people live in His love. Our Savior will go on to say in John chapter 15 that living in His love means to be staying connected to Him as branches are to a vine. Jesus will go on to say that no one has greater love than to give his life away for his friends. He will go on to say that we should love one another as he loves us. And then he goes on in the following chapters, John 18 and 19, to show us exactly what this means. There he dies for this broken world, that we might have real life, Easter life, life with God that goes on forever. He shows us that biological death is not the worst thing that can happen. In short, we have to die to ourselves and finally die physically to know the fullness of God's life and God's love. At the risk of sounding a bit like Jeff Foxworthy, I need to say this today. If all you come to worship for is to sort of pay your respects to God you might be an unbeliever. If you don't really want the Holy Spirit to change your life because you think you're doing quite well and living just the way you ought to, you might be condemned. If your eyes and your heart are so set on the things of this biological life that there is no room for God, then you might find out that God at life's end has no room for you, much less a mansion that He has prepared. If you love God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, you will strive to keep God's commandments. You will pray daily, worship weekly, read and study God's Word, serve within and beyond this congregation, encourage spiritual growth in yourself and in others, give generously of God's time and talents and treasures that have been entrusted to your stewardship. Not because these things save us certainly, but because we're already saved. We already are called to live an Easter life. You, like many others, might be laboring under the impression that the Easter life is a component, a part of your biological life. But then you'd be quite wrong. For you, dear believers, this biological life is a mere sliver, a tiny fragment of your Easter life. In fact, God chose you to receive saving faith in Jesus Christ and to receive all of the blessings that go along with it, forgiveness, salvation, and eternity with Him before He laid the foundations of this world. And living as His child, your Easter life will continue eternally long after your brief and fleeting biological life has ceased. Then you will receive a new and glorified body, And your Easter life will then be in God's fullness. Yes, there is a biological life, and we all pretty much know how that looks. It can be in turns difficult or easy, sparse or lavish, painful or healthy. But remember, whoever dies with the most toys dies and leaves them to the next generation. For us, though, there is eternal life, Easter life, life with the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that goes on forever. In this life, in this world, the life looks like the life that Jesus lived for us to see that is, a life of giving yourself away in humble service to others through God's good and gracious will. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, our hosts at the eternal banquet, celebrating our Easter life. Amen.